Hi, I'm Matt Sprague, host of the Connected Construction Show, and I have a special announcement for our audience. This November 7th through the 9th, Trimble is hosting their Dimensions User Conference at the Venetian in Las Vegas, and they've just given us two tickets valued at over $1,700 each to give away to our audience. So how can you win? Simply share your favorite episode on any social media platform using the hashtag ccshow underscore favorite and include why that's your favorite episode and you'll be eligible to win. The shared post with the most amount of likes will win two free tickets to Dimension 2022. Five runners up will receive a special Connected Construction Show t-shirt and sticker. So get out there and share your favorite episode before October 21st. We will announce the winner live on the show Tuesday, October 25th. Again, share your favorite episode on any social media platform using the hashtag ccshow underscore favorite and include why that's your favorite episode before October 21st in order to have a chance to win the two tickets to Dimensions in Las Vegas. Good luck and stay connected. From Trimble Construction, you're listening to the Connected Construction Show, where we connect you to the contractors, owners, designers, engineers, and construction professionals who are finding better ways to work. And now... Here's your host, Matt Sprague. Hello and welcome back to the Connected Construction Show. I'm your host, Matt Sprague. Uh, Very excited to have uh, my co-host, Evan Hill, here with me. Evan, how's it going? Doing so well. I feel like we are the OG pairing of this podcast, so I'm excited to be back on. Absolutely. For those of you that don't know... Uh, the Connected Construction Podcast used to be called the Connecting Construction Podcast, or rather the Connected Construction Show used to be the Connecting Construction Podcast, which Evan and I were the regular hosts for that show. So anyway, this isn't about us. Uh, this is about our fantastic uh, guest that we have here today, uh, Carolyn Cromines, who is the owner and managing partner for the Cromines Law Firm. Carolyn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm, a, I'm a super excited to be here. Awesome. So, um, yeah, well, so we're going to get this kicked off like we do every other show. So it's a get to know you type of question. So, Carolyn, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, what you do at the Chromeans Law Firm, uh, what your passions are uh, with regards to the construction industry. Absolutely. So, um I grew up in the construction industry. Uh, my, you know, everyone, my grandfather owned an excavation company. Um, one of my first jobs was for my uncle who owned an irrigation company, you know, doing plans, and like being in the office and, you know, mom and pop size business uh, and just being involved in the day to day. I went to law school. And actually, as I was coming out of my last year of law school, my husband and I started a material supply company in the construction industry because I wasn't 100 percent sure what area of law I wanted to practice. But that made it real clear when I'm at the end of law school. And now I got to figure out how to collect our money and what joint check agreements we should sign and all of this stuff. So then I really I went out on my own in 2006 and kind of just my biggest client was our company. And then it kind of grew from there. And so it really became I had to learn this stuff. Uh for our business to survive. And so that's what I do now is help people in the construction industry protect their companies and grow them better on the proactive side, right? Really try to push 
education. I have a bunch of free resources on education and reaching out before there's a crisis, right? I, I'm, I, I can help you if there's a crisis, but we can be way more effective on the front end. Preventative maintenance. That's what I like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and nobody, you know, like everybody hears lawyers, like hearing dentists, like nobody wants to go to the lawyer. Nobody wants to go to the dentist. Like really, I'm, you know, I can be quite helpful. I could be a partner. Like, you have a question we can ask. We can work things out. So. So I want to dive yeah. a little bit into your law background. Um, little known fact about me. I'll do a little share and tell here or show and tell here is I actually almost went to law school and I had a lot of law school uh, buddies with very mixed and varied backgrounds. It's, it's I feel like a field where um, a lot of folks come from different contexts. And I'd be super curious to know how you landed specifically in construction law. There's obviously hundreds of different forms of and areas and disciplines of law. So how did you end up in construction? It's obviously very relevant to us, but to the outside world, it can be pretty niche. I think it is niche and, and don't be wrong. I went, I went to my undergrad. I got a, I majored in criminal justice and, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but I didn't even realize that there was a whole civil court system until I got to law school. Right. I didn't even know that that existed. Like this is how people dissolve, resolve disputes that are not criminal. Right. Um, and so I went through all of that, learned all of that in law school. And then um, when I got here out of necessity, because we were running our own business, but then it felt like home, right? These are the people that I grew up with. I can talk your language on the construction side, but I can also tell you the complex legal ideas in a very simplistic way. That's so that everybody can understand and I can give you and give you all the information and empower you to make your own decisions once you know what the risks are. And so that's something that I've been really, I'm really good at. And I try to, you know, like I said, educate and help everybody do the same thing. So, Carolyn, you'd mentioned earlier, like nobody wants to go to the lawyer, like they don't want to go to the the, the dentist or, uh, or anything along those lines. So, so there's obviously a a, a misconception uh, and a, or a misunderstanding of why it's important. So, what is what what is one of the biggest or what are what are the biggest misconceptions when it comes to construction companies and their need for for legal counsel? Well, I think I think. Um especially in this day and age, contracts, whether someone's signing yours or you're signing someone else's, understanding what is in that. You know, on the commercial side, you're signing these huge commercial contracts. And if you don't know what's in there, you don't know what you're supposed to do. You're like setting yourself up for automatic failure, right? So like what part of my job is, I take that contract, I go through and tell you what the risks are in plain English. And then before you sign it, you can decide, okay, we want to negotiate this. I'm not really worried about this, but here are all the issues. And you're setting yourself up for success instead of failure, right? Because we go into a situation, we just sign the contract. We have no idea what it says. When we don't do the things that we're required to do under the contract, that's a breach of contract and has huge legal ramifications, right? So I think before you sign the contract, let's know what it means. And like if people are signing your contracts, it should be something that they can understand as well because I've been on both plaintiff and, you know, owner and contractor side and litigation. And one of the biggest things I see is lack of managed expectations, right? Owner, I need you to do this. Contractor, I need you to do this. And that's what a contract's supposed to do. But if we can't read it, it's not going to do a very good job in doing that. So I think that's a huge thing on the preventative side. And then the other part of it is having a consistent collection strategy before you're owed money, right? Know what your lien rights are in your state. Know when you have to send notices. 
all of the things that you need to do before you actually get in a bind. Those are kind of the two big preventative things that I work on a lot. So like, what are the, what are the, the biggest, like, what are the most common things you end up having not preventatively to help out with, but uh, 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 reactively have to go and help out with? I mean, recently, a lot of it's been people that were tied into contracts that didn't have a provision in there for material price escalation, right? And what does uh -huh. that look like? Yeah. And it's like, well, guys, I, there are some things you can maybe try to get some more time, but really, if we don't have a provision in the contract that says you could recover those costs, you can't. And then, okay, it's now going to increase my cost by $100,000. What do I do? What are the ramifications? Because, okay, I walk the contract or I don't sign it. But the problem is it's not over, right? Because they have to hire somebody else. And what whatever it costs them over your contract amount, you're on the hook for. And I think a lot of that is not known at the time. Well, yeah, I can't afford it. I'm just going to walk. It will. It could follow you and haunt you. And I've, I've seen it. That's been a lot of the ones I've been dealing with recently is like, what does that look like? What can we do? Uh, and just trying to navigate that. So, so where that's like a, obviously a, a, a ramification of, of, of all that has come with COVID, right? Um, what is the spirit of the industry? Is there, are, are both sides working to find the agreement or are the owners really kind of, if there is no price escalation, are they, are they, are they holding them to it? I've seen the most of the ones I've seen, there's a holding, holding it to like, sorry guys, you're gonna have to eat this. And you're like, yeah, I just haven't seen, um, you know, I, what I've seen though, that has been more proactive, everybody putting it in there. I still have some, some pushback on that. Right. Like I've seen a lot of, new GMP contracts, guaranteed maximum price, where they're trying to cram the potential of of the those increases or labor shortages down. And it's just being aware that all that is out there because you could be the one that signs it and then it, you know, a big enough thing it could it could wipe out your business. And I feel like it I'm, well, this is this is not coming from knowledge, but this is coming from like I just feel like there are so many other ways for them to kind of get their costs back and whatnot. So we're starting to see where it's like, okay, you're not working with us on the, on the price escalation. So I'm going to, I'm going to change order the living daylights out of you. And then there's going to be litigation on that side and whatnot. Are you seeing, are you seeing those type of, of, of strategic battles? Back uh, yeah, and forth? as much as you can. Right. So like I had one where there was no material price escalation, but it did have a time provision, meaning if something uncontrollable happened, you could get more time. And so my argument is it was uncontrollable that these costs went up. I want time until it goes back to the normal price, however long that takes. And so there, you know, there's some, yep. you know, and then what does that lead to? That leads a bunch of litigation and nobody, the product's not getting built. You know, you're trying to even out the leverage in that situation so we can meet in the middle. So, you know, whatever you can find leverage in and meet in the middle, you can get it to work. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a fight. So are the are the price escalation clauses? I'm sorry if I'm not using the right uh, uh, legalese there. Um, is that now becoming standard? Because like for instance, like I'm 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 in the midst of 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 moving my wife um, off of her 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 lease agreement, <laughs> and I'm talking with the car dealers, and I'm like, how screwed are you guys getting right now? Where le cars are coming off of leases, and the buyout value 
is lower than the actual market value. And they're like, yeah. yep. <laughs> You're not happy about it. So I'm, I'm imagining that the, the next lease we ever get into is going to have a, 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 some sort of clause in there. Is that, is that similarly happening now? Is that now the contracts have these, have these price escalation uh, yeah, pieces? Yeah. Well, I- Obviously, if you're signing somebody else's contract, it doesn't come standard. You're going to have to negotiate it. I've seen less pushback on negotiating that provision, but I've also seen some like public work projects be like, hey, you have to do it for this price or, or we're not going to do it. Right. So there's kind of it's kind of been a little bit of both. So you really need to, like again, so important that you know what that contract says and the risks are before you sign it. Like you know, if you're one guy that stayed pretty stable on your material, you're probably not worried about it. But. If, you know, if that's something that has been, which is most of us, has changed dramatically, you know, it's either either you're going to take the food off of your family's plate or you're going to have to push it up. You're going to have to negotiate. So, Carolyn, you are an attorney. You're a podcaster. You're a business entrepreneur. You're also a writer. Mm -hmm. And I and I want to dive into that a little bit into your background here. You published a book. Quit getting screwed. I'm going to be honest with you. When I first read the title, I thought I, I misread it as quit screwing around, which is, I feel like, just as funny. Um, but regardless, I want to dive a little bit into your book. Tell me about, A, when did you publish this? What was the inspiration for it and why? So it actually published in uh, January of 21. Um, it came as a result of one of my biggest, one of my good clients going out of business because they didn't understand the contract they had signed. And no one is out here saying, hey, danger, danger, a pay when paid clause. That's not good news. That means like you can do a perfectly awesome job and do everything on time. And if you're the subcontractor, you're still not entitled to be paid until the owner pays the general. These are huge things. So basically you'd have to cash, you could potentially have to cash flow the whole project before you ever get paid. And if you can't, then you're in breach contract. These are, I mean, like, I was just so, I don't know, flabbergasted that nobody's out here saying, hello, hello. I can remember the first time I read a subcontract. I'm like, who in the world would sign this? Like, as an attorney, I'd just rather burn it than try to negotiate it because there was so much wrong. And every day, every day, these things are being signed with no ramifications, with no thoughts of, and don't be wrong, guys, you know, I don't ever see a good contract. I only see the bad ones. So <laughs> I, I kind of lose perspective, but I was just so mad that, you know, he didn't do anything wrong. He was trying to do a good job and he didn't understand what a pay when pay clause meant. And nobody had explained it and what that could possibly mean. And he lost the business and got a huge judgment against him. And, you know, it just, somebody has to say it and somebody has to say it in a way the contractors can understand it. So quit getting screwed is something that will grab attention. And I know they know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I see there's a, um, there's a correlation between the contractor. They're good at what they do and what they do is, is creating things. Right. But in order to do that for a living, you have to run a business. And I think that's something that, 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 that you've kind of held is that a lot of times it's like they need help in understanding how to run their business. And the legal side is, is, is fairly, uh, fairly important, uh, on that side of things. Is that, is that kind of what you're seeing is that a lot of these people are just, when it comes to the stuff, they're a little bit wet. No, absolutely. And I think a lot of it too, is they come from that place. I want to do a good job. I'm really good at what I do. I started this because I'm good at what I do. And they don't think that, 
somebody's trying to screw them. But if they don't go into that contract with that mindset, that's exactly what's going to happen, right? I think what happened over the course of years is that these guys just thought, you know, they're not going to do anything. We're just going to have a good working relationship. So they would just sign. And so the things never got negotiated. Because like as an attorney, I go into a situation, I'm going to draft the thing most favorable to my client, knowing that there's going to be a negotiation. And that just never happened. And so now this one-sided document has become our standard. And it, and it shouldn't be that way. We're talking about the people who go out there and build things, as I like to call the get shit done tribe, right? Get stuff done, get stuff built. But there's nobody out there protecting them from these one-sided documents that they're signing just to be able to go to work. Yeah, and it's a travesty when the, when it ends up, like you, you mentioned, you had a, a client who essentially lost their business because of it. And so it's funny, I was in a uh, the butcher shop yesterday and uh, two gentlemen in front of me were chatting. They were both contractors. And one of them just said, I heard him say that he was just like, yeah, I just, I shut it down because I just got tired of dealing with all the other stuff that comes along with it. He's like, I love doing what I do. He's like, I'm just done with all the other things. And it's almost too bad. That because they you 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 I mean it's not like this person's skills aren't being utilized because he said he took a job with a with with another outfit, um, but you have these people that you know the American dream so to speak and whatnot and it's making it difficult to get that done. Yeah, I agree. And you know, construction is like one of the oldest trades, and still we we don't have nearly enough people in it, and and this is why, right? We have all this red tape and all this thing, and if you miss one step, it's hugely detrimental. So, so when I first came into the industry, one of the biggest like challenges I had was wrapping my head around the, all the different contracting vehicles and the, 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 um, the unique situations each one create. So whether it's design bid, design build, design bid build, uh, GCCM, et cetera, uh, in your opinion, and your experience, like which one is the best or, or what is trending? What seems to be the, the, in the prevailing winds? Uh, and, you know, what's the future of, of, of contracting? Vehicles? Well, what I've seen a lot more of is the contract. And I can't remember the AIA number right off the top of my head. I think it's 212, but it's the one that incorporates both the general contractor, the owner and architect all in one. So they're all on the same page and who's responsible for what. And it's all, you know, I think the more that we can be together on the front end on who's going to be in charge of what, and what happens if this happens, the smoother everything will go. Right. As opposed to having the GC and the owner, this architect, some far off person who's not involved except for requests for information, as opposed to them being involved in the project more. And then, and then again, you know, having everybody being involved with the subs who are out there actually building the thing. So I think, the more we could be like that type of contract on the front end is is huge. It's going to be make everybody more productive. I've seen those come back. Um, I've seen still the standard owner general sub uh, still pretty prevalent out there. I'd like to see more of the other ones. I think it nips in the bud a lot of issues that could be you know prevented, especially when sometimes you know a subcontractor wants as good with the doing what they want to do, but they don't necessarily understand that it has to be done in accordance with the plans, right? It can't just be done right. It's got to be done right this way. And so the sooner you can bring them in, here's what done right this way is with an architect or, you know, being on site more often, I think, I think it helps projects run much smoother. I feel it's always a, um, it's a battle between 
perspectives as to why you're building, right? So from the owner, the majority of owners aren't builders. Their, 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 their jobs, their missions are not to build infrastructure or build buildings, right? They're, they are, so if it's a hospital, it's to save lives and provide good, uh, good healthcare. And so their motivation um, is different then from the perspective of obviously the, the, the builders, so to speak, and, and, the, and the designers and whatnot, who's now their business is to build. And when you have like, if not everybody's coming from the same direction, you're, you're going to collide. So it has to be some small, I feel like we've got to evolve and be smarter with how we're contracting. Um, and I don't know if this is the right, right, right idea or not to be fair, right? Like, so that, that in the end, Everybody gets most of yeah. what they want, as opposed to, I think a lot of the contracting vehicles are either favored one way or the other. No, absolutely. And, you know, it's just doing everything to get And like, so I had an I have a ongoing litigation right now where if the sub had been more on with where the owners is, we're building this because it's going to be a surgical facility. And this is important because now we're fighting about an AC that had to be externally lined that was internally lined, which ruined all the surgical rooms that had to be redone. But if he had known the importance of why we're built, why it has to be done this way, I think it would have, you know, if we were aligned right in the same vision of why we're building, I think it would have gone much smoother. We probably could have avoided having to lift, you know, get the crane and lift the AC units and redo everything again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. So, um, I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up one more topic um, and it could be a huge topic. So I don't know if like with the time we have left to, to kind of get into this, but I wanted to dip our toes uh, into the conversation surrounding the bipartisan infrastructure law. So uh, the headline is the, um, obviously the amount of funding that is out there and the amount of new projects that, that are going to be or are being released and are going to continue to be released. Um, but, Really, what what are the legal considerations and preparations that construction companies need to be aware okay, of? Okay, so I think um, we don't know exactly what the contracts are going to look like because here's the thing about the infrastructure bills. Yes, the money is coming from the federal government, but it's going to go to mostly state agencies to be the products to be done, whether that, that's roads or the certain type of water facilities will all be done at the state level. So you're going to have to, you know, and there's certain things that are going to be required because of the infrastructure bill that haven't been required before, like U.S. made materials, right? That's going to be a requirement for most of, there are ways to opt out, but most of it's going to have to be U.S. made materials. And so setting yourself up to have those contracts reviewed before you sign them, right? By somebody that can tell you what they mean. And when I say somebody, somebody in the construction industry, in my opinion, it's not, Someone who is not and an attorney who's not from the construction industry is not going to be know what the risk, what the risk are. If things go south. Right. So somebody in the construction industry, knowing, you know, having that contract reviewed. And then if you've never done public works before and you're thinking of switching over a couple of things, generally speaking, public works are way slower. 90 days plus to get paid. If you're coming from the private sector, you were probably complaining at 45 days. This is probably double that, right? So <laughs> know that going in. And then the other side of that too is bonding, right? Public works jobs always require, the GC's got to have a bond and mostly the subcontractors have to have a bond as well. And knowing what a bond is, that it's not insurance, right? So it's basically a personal guarantee of your work and what the ramifications are of somebody filing on your bond and how to, how to build some protections into your contract 
protect you from the bond company just paying if they get a claim. So realistically, having the contract reviewed before you sign it, understand the risk, knowing what bonds are before you just sign up for one, uh, slow pay on federal go on, on government projects just in general, U.S. materials. And we're not quite sure what else is going to be in those contracts yet because we haven't seen them, which is why I need the review. But those are the things that I'm looking at from a legal perspective. And then obviously, two bond claims are different in all states for not being paid. And no, nor, most of them are similar to the federal, the federal Bond Claim Act, which is your notice has got to be sent 90 days after last work. But there's some difference in, in all the states. So knowing that, too, on the front end. Um, and if you're going to if you're a subcontractor on a project like that, I also recommend getting a copy of the general contractor's bond before you start work that we don't have to try to get it later on. So I want to play something back to you in terms of a piece that I heard in there is that if you're a, a, a generalizing, saying construction company, so whether it's a GC or, or, or a subcontractor that has uh, predominantly played in the private sector um, and now look at the, the, the bipartisan infrastructure law as an opportunity, hey, there's going to be a lot over here. What I'm hearing is, is that, uh, you know, kind of, kind of like a, a buyer beware, like, hold on, like there is there, there's a lot more hair on this than you're used to. So find legal counsel to make sure that you're protected. Is that Absolutely. The Absolutely. Message? Yeah. And if you get us on the front end, we're, we're, we can help you so much more than on the back end, right? Uh, it's worth a yeah. little bit of investment up here. So you're not dealing with it on the back end, which is when it gets, when it can get really sticky. Gotcha. So we know construction companies and, and, and you know contractors are always looking for opportunities for efficiency, and often, oftentimes that efficiency can come through technology. Your role is very interesting in that it's to partner with these firms and obviously help them make good decisions. Is there technology you're utilizing or partnering with to help them make better decisions in legal framework contexts? Yeah, and I think that's one thing that's missing from the technology piece is the whole integration of the legal side. Um, and actually, I'm working on a project now with a with a platform called JobTread, where you'll be able to be connected directly to me to so I can I've, they're mostly residential guys, so I can do their you can buy my services in there, and I'll draft you a custom hmm. contract specifically for your business. So basically, it's you're still coming through the firm. It's just you can, the op, you don't have to go find me. I'm right there. Like if you're interested in a subcontract, you can click the button subcontract contacts me. And then my firm is very streamlined in that we have a meeting, five business days, you get your contract, you have an exit interview. So it's really set up to flow better in a platform like that, which I think, you know, I think there's huge opportunities to make businesses more efficient from the legal side. If we can learn how to partner together, contracts is just one like contract review, and then you could do collections. It'd be phenomenal if I could hop on like it would automatically ping me when your invoice is, you know, 60 days old. And then I would send the required notices and it all became a very streamlined process. So I'm trying to help make that integrated in the platforms because something that's really missing. Well, that's the idea, right? Connected construction. So there, there's, there's all these different areas. You, you just, you just, you just serve that one up <laughs> for me, Carolyn, you're there, right there with the connected construction exactly. show. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting perspective is that with a lot of all of our conversations around connected construction has been, you know, designing the use of BIM and, you know, getting uh, the, the owner and the operator involved in uh, uh, with the with the contractors and the subcontractors and whatnot. But like, hey, 
don't forget about us over here that kind of really uh, you know, you're, you're, you're the, you're, you're the oil that make the gears run and, and making sure that, or, or really the oil that makes sure the gears. Exactly. Stop. At the end of the day, I'm a problem uh, solver. That's what I do. I fix things. I go in, you have an issue. Let's look at all the options and, and the most practical one way forward. And it's easier to do when you're not in yeah. crisis mode on the front end. So. So uh, as we discussed in our, in our pre-show meeting, this would go by in a blink of an eye and, and it has it's pro- it's proven true. So we're at our we're at our last question. So this is the same question we ask everybody. All of our listeners are probably tired of hearing me saying this that this darn spiel. But um, so here's the question: What is your personal motto? And you don't necessarily not everybody has a personal motto. Uh, what's a motto that you've that you know about that, that you find interesting that uh, that people can learn from? So mine is actually a quote from somebody, uh, Gabby Bernstein. It's called "Every uh, Every Obstacle Is a Detour in the Right Direction." Because here, no matter what business you're in, there's always going to be stuff going wrong. Stuff needs to be fixed, and it can get overwhelming and and just feel like no matter what I do, it never goes right. And if you look at it from that perspective, you're just going to go deeper and deeper down that hole. And so if you look at it from, okay, this is really an opportunity to figure out a better way to do it and come at it from a better perspective. I think that helps creative ideas and just, and don't be wrong. It's really hard for me to take my own advice. Sometimes it's like, sometimes I just want to be mad at it. Right. Cause it's just frustrating. But if you can lift yourself up and be like, okay, I'm here for a reason. And unless I want to keep doing this again, I better figure it out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's been uh, a wealth of information that you provided. Um, I hope it wasn't too painful for Not you. Not at all. I love to talk about this stuff all day long. So that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and Evan, thank you so much for joining us uh, this week. And uh, I look forward to having you back on uh, as a co-host again sometime soon. Um, so Carolyn, uh, before we let the listeners and the watchers go, wh- where can people find you? How can they connect with so you? So the best reach place to reach out to me is the chromeanslawfirm.com. Uh, it's got my phone number, my email, my, all my blog articles. And then I also have a free educational platform called Subcontractor Institute, where I actually teach the 20 chapters of Quit Getting Screwed for free. I just ask for your email address so I can, you know, send you free stuff <laughs> in the email. But uh, really, <laughs> it's a great free educational platform because I'm really trying to get the education out there that, hey, wait, let's take a minute. Let's evaluate the risk. And so everybody knows what's to level the playing field. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you all very much for joining us. For the listeners, the watchers, thanks for Tuning in. I don't know if that's an actual thing anymore, but uh, for those of you that that are used to the UHF, VHF knobs. um, But uh, thank you so much. And until next time, stay connected. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Connected Construction Show. For more information, visit us at ConnectedConstructionShow.com.